Our first uh, scripture reading of the morning is from Mark's Gospel, and it's from the seventh chapter, a short passage. I'll be reading verses uh, 20 to 23. These are words of Jesus. It says, and he, meaning Jesus, said, it is what comes out of a person that defiles, for it is from within, from the human heart, that evil intentions come, fornication, theft, murder, adultery, avarice, which means greed, wickedness, deceit, licentiousness, which is lewdness, envy, slander, pride, folly. All these things, these evil things, Jesus says, come from within, and they defile a person. It's a little hard to say, but this is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Back in 1967, a Dr. Christian Bernard he was from South Africa. He became the first doctor to perform a successful human heart transplant. He took the living heart out of a 23-year-old woman who had been killed in a car accident, and then he put it in the chest of a 53-year-old man whose heart was broken and beyond repair. Now, just think about how incredible that really is. He literally took out one person's diseased and dying heart, and then he surgically replaced it with a new and healthy heart. And thousands of those kinds of operations have been done ever since. Jesus says he can give us a new heart as well. He says that he can come into our lives and give us a clean heart. He can get rid of the clutter, the impurities, everything that divides us and distracts us from having a healthy, vibrant relationship with God. In fact, Jesus said in the Beatitudes, it's our scripture reading for this morning, it's just one verse, it's from Jesus' Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, verse 8, take a look. Jesus says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Friends, this too is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Would you join me in prayer? Let us pray. Oh God, we pray that you would now open our hearts so that we might receive that which we most need to hear from you as you fill us with the light, life, and love of Jesus Christ. For it is in his name that we pray. Amen. If you look at the back of your bulletin, which I encourage you to do, you will see that the last hymn this morning is hymn number 169. The title is Rejoice Ye Pure in Heart. I was wondering this week, what would happen if I had added to the bulletin that only the pure in heart are allowed to sing this hymn? What do you think would happen? I have a feeling I know what would happen here. All that we would hear would be Janet playing a lovely organ solo. <laughs> so how do we understand this beatitude of Jesus? Well, I think that many of us misunderstand what Jesus said. When we hear pure in heart, we think, oh, okay, that means I gotta be perfect. And we envision a Martha Stewart dining room table setting, or, or a beautiful bride walking down the aisle of a church in her dazzling long white gown. 
And even if it's pouring rain outside, like it was when my daughter Julia got married in Charleston, South Carolina last May, nothing touches her pristine beauty. Well, that pretty much sums up the mindset of what purity was for the Pharisees, and they wanted it big time. The Pharisees believed that you had to be perfect. They, in fact, arranged their entire lives around the idea of keeping this regimented ritual cleanliness and nitpicky rules before God. The problem was that nothing for the Pharisees was ever pure enough. Even Jesus was not pure enough for the Pharisees. They wanted him to wash his hands, even when his hands weren't dirty. Today, the Pharisees would have sanitizing soap in every room in their home. Three-minute showers would be out of the question because that would be way too short. Wearing a mask would not be good enough as they would want to walk around in some kind of sterile hazmat suit. The Pharisees went beyond being perfectionists to being perfectionistic. You may know someone like that, or maybe you are somebody like that. And you know what I mean. The steak is never cooked just right. My hair never lays on my head just right. The report that took 100 hours for you to put together, I should have had size 14 font instead of size 12. And the sad thing about perfectionistic people is that nothing is never good enough for them on the outside, so then nothing is ever good enough for them on the inside. Perfectionistic people will say things like, I'm not good enough. I'm not pure enough. I don't read the Bible enough. I don't pray enough. And this perfectionism can be self-destructive when we give sin all the more influence over us. Think about this for a moment. If we spend all of our time, all of our energy, trying to avoid certain contaminants, R-rated movies, dancing, drinking, becoming a Presbyterian, whatever it may be, we try to avoid all those contaminants, then, then we're giving all those things power over us. And we're always having to think about the things that we're not supposed to do. It's kind of like those snake oil salesmen back during the time of the Middle Ages who, who sold villagers this special kind of powder that they claim would turn water into gold when you sprinkle it on as long as you were not thinking about red monkeys. Well, the punchline is no one ever got any gold because you can't tell yourself to stop thinking about red monkeys without thinking about red monkeys, get the point? I think one of the saddest cases of someone being trapped in a legalistic definition of purity was the great Russian novelist Leo Tolstoy. Tolstoy tried to achieve perfection through a literal adherence to Jesus' teaching in the Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount. He gave up drinking, smoking, hunting, eating red meat. He gave away his money, even to the point that his own family became financially destitute. He announced to the world that he was going to be abstaining from marital relations with his wife, but with whom he kept a separate bedroom. And then, with red-faced embarrassment, she became pregnant. A total of 16 times. 
So for all of his attempts to achieve real religious purity, Leo Tolstoy was an unkind, uncaring, unhappy, unchristlike man. Where did he go wrong? Where do we as legalistic Christians go wrong? I think the answer lies in two words. Remember what Jesus did not say. He did not say, blessed are the pure. He said, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Now, there's some Bible scholars in this passage from uh, Matthew 5 that believe that Jesus was sort of extending an olive branch to the Pharisees by saying, hey, I know you desperately want to be pure. You just need to know that you're going about it in the worst way. So Jesus says, is it purity that you want? Well, blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. That's where it all begins, Jesus says. You worry so much about being kosher on the outside. What matters most to God is, are you kosher on the inside? You see, it's not what touches a person on the outside that defiles him. It's what proceeds from the heart. In our first scripture reading, which I read earlier from Mark chapter 7, Jesus says, for out of the heart of a person comes evil thoughts, fornication, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, lewdness, evil, slander, envy, pride, foolishness, all these evil things, Jesus says, comes from where? From within. So our, our terminal condition seems to be the hardness of our hearts. And friends, I'm here to tell you that only God can make our hearts new. A changed heart is a reverent heart. Changed heart is a holy heart. It's a broken heart. It's a contrite heart. It's a pure heart. But that, as I said, does not mean that you and I have to be perfect. Remember, even ivory soap is only 99 and 44 one hundredth percent pure. So what Jesus calls us to is not sinless perfection, as if we could ever attain that. Instead, what Jesus wants from you and me is a purity of our intention. You know, it's interesting to me, we have a million jokes about the pearly gaze where Saint Peter asks, well, what, what did you do on earth? Now, when we get asked that question, it isn't going to be what, it's going to be why, why. Jesus says purity must begin within the heart. So where does this leave us this morning? What do we do with that? Where do we go with that? Well, we get some needed help in a brief word study. What's interesting to me is that when they were translating the Bible from the Greek into the Latin, and this is 384 AD, when the scholars came to translate the word pure, they instead chose the word in Latin from which we get our word sincere. So the beatitude would read, blessed are the sincere. But the word sincere is actually made up of two words, sine, which means without, and sere, which means wax. Sine sere, without wax. Back in medieval times, if a marble statue was flawed or broken, a dishonest dealer would fill in the missing hand or the broken nose with wax. And then the dealer would paint over it and then sell it 
as an unblemished original to some unsuspecting customer who would be none the wiser. But an honest statue dealer would put his word on the line and stamp it. My statues are sine sere. They are without wax. I think that is what Jesus is saying to you and me this morning. Blessed are the people who are without wax. Blessed are the people who are true and honest and what you see is what you get. A few years ago, the Rockdale County High School in Conyers, Georgia had one of those dream seasons on a basketball court. They finished the season 21 and five. They won the Georgia Boys Basketball Tournament with a dramatic come from behind victory in the finals. But today, the trophy case outside of the gymnasium has no trophy in it for that championship. And that is because the Georgia High School Association stripped Rockdale County of its title after it was revealed that a player who was academically ineligible had played a total of 45 seconds in the tournament. Well, who ratted them out? Certainly sounds like sour grapes from one of the losing teams, doesn't it? The person who notified the Georgia High School Association was the coach of Rockdale County, a man named Cleveland Stroud. And Coach Stroud said this, we didn't know he was ineligible at the time. Some people have said we should have kept quiet about it, that it was just 45 seconds and the player wasn't even an impact player. But you've got to do what's honest and right and what the rules say. I told my team that people forget the scores of basketball games, but they don't forget what you're made of. Blessed are those for whom there is this unbroken unity from who they are to what they believe, to what they say, and what they do. The great philosopher Soren Kierkegaard said it best, purity of heart is the will to do one thing. Let me give you another illustration. It's kind of like you and I have within us a, a boardroom. And sitting around the table inside each of us of this boardroom is a committee. This is going to sound so Presbyterian to you, I promise. But around my table within me, there's the social me, the private me, the career me, the leisure activity me, the relational me, the family me, the religious me, and all these other me's. And this, this committee inside of me is, is kind of like the US Congress. They argue a lot, they debate, they never agree. Sometimes one of them filibusters. There's lots of split votes. They never ever come to a unanimous decision. In other words, when it comes to really living it all out for Jesus Christ, we tell ourselves, I'm too busy, I'm too preoccupied. But it's really that we're too distracted, we're too divided, we're too unfocused. You know, you can accept Jesus Christ in one of two ways. One way is simply to invite him to be on the committee, in, in which case he's just one more complication and just one more vote. Or we can pray a prayer like, 
you know what, God, my life is not working out like I thought it would. And so, Lord Jesus, won't you come into my life and take over the committee in my heart? I want to give it all to you, Lord. I want you to run my life. You know, Johnny Cash was a man with huge flaws, but his life was redeemed by Jesus Christ, and then he told the world about it. Anybody know what his greatest selling song was? I Walk the Line, a song that is about purity of the heart. The song opens with the words, I keep a close watch on this heart of mine. And then later on, the song goes, I find it very, very easy to be true. I find myself alone when each day is through. Yes, I'll admit that I'm a fool for you because you're mine. I walk the line. A white hot passion for Jesus Christ means that everything else in life gets pushed to the sidelines. And friends, the more we love Jesus Christ, the easier it is for us to be pure and spotless and holy so that you and I can say, Jesus, because you're mine, I walk the line of obedience and devotion to you. Well, as I close, I want to ask you a question. Where is your heart today? Where's your focus? Is it on Jesus Christ? Does your heart belong to him 99 and 44, 100%? Or is it 100%? Because that's what purity of heart really means. It means having this singular and intense devotion to Jesus Christ as King of Kings and Lord of Lords. And just so you know, having that kind of a heart doesn't mean that your life's gonna be perfect or that you're never gonna make mistakes or that you're never gonna be tempted or that your motivations are always gonna be noble. It just means that you know that God loves you and that you wanna love God back. Friends, that is a heart that God can do something with. Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart. And so blessed is the one whose heart is sine sere, without wax. Blessed is the one whose heart is focused. Blessed is the one whose heart belongs to God. Would you join me in prayer? Let us pray. God, we confess that we have been driven, at least some of us, by perfectionism. And we've lived in Pharisee-like judgment of others and even in heart of hearts, judgment of ourselves. But this morning, we come before you sine sere, without wax. What you see is what you get. To think that this is what you mean by purity of heart, that when we come to you sincerely, passionately, single-mindedly, and focused on you, that's all you really ask. That's all you really want from us. All you ask is that our pure intention be from the heart, which for you is as good as perfection because you are able to fill in the missing pieces through the cross of your son. 
What a gracious God you are, that as long as you have our hearts, when we fail, and we will fail, Jesus will smile. Accepting us with all our faults and imperfections and say, close enough. So Jesus, come in to our hearts. Have free reign in our lives. For we desire to give our hearts to you in all that we say, in all that we think, and in all that we do. And it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.